0: In a novel move, Allergan sold the patents to its blockbuster Restasis drug to the St. Regis Mohawk tribe, paying the tribe three to... $13.5 $13.5 million up front, and $15 million a year in royalties for the exclusive use of the patents that it once owned. In a federal court case, the judge who is considering whether to allow generic versions of the eye drug questioned whether that sale is a sham that he should disregard. The tribe has asked that the case be dismissed from another venue, the Patent Review Board, citing its sovereign immunity. Joining us is Ode Graspacher, the senior healthcare litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Oh, this is a complicated case and it seems to be getting more complicated every day. Explain why Allergan made the deal.
1: Yeah, thank you, June. So there are two key components to this. And one is the interparties reviews that are actually going to come to an end by the end of the year, and the other is the district court case that's in the Eastern District of Texas. The reason, the, the main reason why Algon would have uh, assigned these patents to a tribe is so that they could dismiss the inter review proceedings, where patents can just be invalidated in a much faster pace and in easier um, way than in the courts.
2: So, how does that work? I mean, it's it's the United States um, Patent Office that that looks at them, right? And so, why would why would they be able to get out of a that proceeding by I guess, claiming sovereign immunity, but not the lawsuit.
1: Well, they could get out of the lawsuit, except that they're not the ones being sued. So, uh, you know, in the lawsuit, Allergan is suing the generic drug makers, Mylan and Teva. And so they don't want to get out of that lawsuit because with that lawsuit, they're, they're trying to block the generic entry of any generics. So, you know, they can pick and choose where they actually claim sovereign immunity
0: has this been done before is this a new
1: thing or a different version of it so we've seen this recently in the interparties review context it's not that old because these proceedings aren't um, that old themselves so we've had a few cases now with state universities so states can also claim sovereign immunity we've had uh, three cases um, at the uh, patent office where twice the Patent Office has dismissed the um, IPRs because of sovereign immunity of the state universities once it hasn't. And the, you know, what they're looking at is really um, whether the licensee of these patents, um, whether they're more like an owner or more like a passive licensee. So the the nature of the agreement matters.
2: Well, explain how that would work. How would they go about analyzing that kind of uh, that kind of question? Because that's going to be, it does seem kind of odd that you'd have a, a tribe sort of taking ownership for only for litigation reasons, essentially.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, with the state university, the, the these universities are really just developing these drugs early on and or, you know, these technologies. And so they, they're the rightful owners. And then they go on and they license to companies where in the case of Allergan, you know, this this is really just assigning for the purpose of being able to claim this defense and have these IPRs dismissed.
0: And so Circuit Judge William Bryson conducted a non-jury trial in a suit that were Allergan filed to prevent Tevla and Mylan from selling generic versions of Restasis, and he says he needs to know whether the tribe is joined as a co-plaintiff. If they're not in that lawsuit, what is the defense that's being used there as to why it shouldn't be a generic? Well, so
1: so the the judge needs to know whether the owner is part of the lawsuit because that's one of the requirements to being able to you know defend your your patent, which is really property. And so the judge is really saying if if you're owners you need to be part of this lawsuit otherwise you know this is not a legitimate lawsuit but if you're if this is just a sham or just you know an illusory kind of agreement then that's fine i can just rule so you know we'll see Whatever the judge decides, there will be interesting because if it if he decides it's just a sham agreement, you know we'll have to see what, what that means for the um, patent office and how they decide what to do with these op- these IPRs. So, but what have they been for the whole week trial? What's what has been the issue? Oh, so the issue is all uh, in these in these types of cases, it's always the brand drug company suing the generic, right? And so. The um, the way that these suits come about is that the generics very early on in the FDA process actually look at these patents that the brand has and say is you know we don't infringe these patents or these patents are invalid, and so the entire trial is is really to decide that is if a generic came on the market would it infringe patents or if it does infringe patents would these patents actually just be
0: invalid. And it sounds like the judge is none too pleased because uh, there's been no appearance of the of the tribe and the, the trial's over.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting timing because everything is already set and done now. He's got to wrap this up. But what's interesting about Judge Bryson is that he's actually a circuit judge, so he is— a judge that sits on the U.S. Court of Appeals of the Federal Circuit. That's the court that really decides all patent matters. And so he he knows quite a lot about all of this already, which is an interesting aspect of it.
0: Well, it's a really interesting case. I I find it fascinating. Thanks so much for being here on Bloomberg Law. That's Ode Gersbacker. She is the Senior Healthcare Litigation Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence.